0: And it's going. All right. This is going to be the third part in our series that we're also doing at Nichols Road called Loving, Learning, and Leading. Loving, Learning, and Leading is the three-word synopsis of our mission statement at New Day Community Church. The full mission statement is living the great commandment and fulfilling the great commission. The great commandment, of course, being Jesus said, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is exactly like it, or equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So those two things are the great commandment. And then the great commission is when Jesus said, go out there and make disciples. So we want to do both. Love, which was the first part of the series. How does a church that makes make a difference by loving? And also, we want to make disciples. Well, wow. making disciples really has two parts. You have to be discipled, and then you have to make disciples. So, being disciples is what we call learning. It's act, because a disciple is really just a pupil, or someone who's being taught. And biblically, we know that there's a lot of weight to that, but it's fair to sum it up in the one word, learning. And then next week, we're going to talk about making disciples, which will be leading. Cool. Okay. Quick recap. The first sermon in this series, no one can forget the Voltron video. (laughs) That's right. A full two-minute Voltron intro. And I am not ashamed of it. No matter what Levi says about it, I'm proud of that thing. God has a plan for you, individually and corporately as a church, to make a difference in this world. It matters. You matter. He intends you to matter. And we might say, well, God, couldn't you just do it all yourself? And the answer is, yeah, he could. But he doesn't want to. He wants to use us. So individually and corporately as a church, we are intended by God to make a difference in the world. We are a church that makes a difference. Second week was on love. How does a church make a difference by loving? And we looked at that and we realized that individually and corporately, We need to be expressing the character of God in action. Real, practical, tangible actions that express the character of God, which is love. And that was actually a really fun message for me, to tell you the truth. And today we get another one learning. All right, learning. Oh, Jesus. I did a cartwheel at New Day. One time. I don't know if anybody was there. Does anybody remember when I did a cartwheel? Okay, Andy Steger remembers. And so does Levi. I felt this crazy childlike joy rise up inside me. And Dan Sear was the MC, so I knew he'd let me do whatever I wanted. And I was like, Dan, I feel like I need to do a cartwheel right now. And he said, great, go for it. And he gives me the microphone. And I remember the Lord was like, this childish joy that you have, this exuberance is really important. Ever get so smart that you feel like you have to lose that? Amen. So kind of acting on the fact that I wanted to keep that, that joy, that exuberance, and that childlike wonder, and not ever get stodgy and you know nose in the air kind of snooty. I did a cartwheel and I felt good, and then I cried, which is what I usually do when I feel the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I laugh. And usually I cry like a baby, and it was really good. So. The first thing I want to say is this, before we even get started, we're going to talk about learning. Learning means acquiring knowledge, right? Check this out. Knowledge is never for its own sake. Not in this context. Not in the kingdom of God, okay? We don't learn just to acquire more knowledge, because that'll, knowledge will only make a difference for the better if it helps us become more like God. We learn to be changed, not to become smarter. Okay? Everybody said, amen, yeah. That was so good. You're right, it was, dang it. Yeah, all right. There are three areas that I would like to challenge everyone in this room to learn. Three areas, not just because preachers love three-point sermons, but because I was at New Day this week bantering with Mark Morris, and we realized there really are three areas in which we need to be poised to learn. That's and I'm going to incorporate... The spirit, mind, and body motif. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this was going to happen until the end. And I was like, that is so darn cool. But just watch for it. Okay. The first area. Oh, my notes. Okay. The first area we need to learn from to be a learning church that makes a difference is Scripture. We need to engage our minds. Scripture. John 8, 30-32 Jesus says this, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold on to my teachings, or if you abide in my teachings, then you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So clearly, Jesus is is saying two things. One, my teaching is scripture. You need to know my teachings. And this word, to abide in, or to continue in, I preached on this and I loved it. I realized this can actually be used to describe your place of residence. Earlier in the book of John, Jesus is being followed by a couple guys and he turns around and says, hey, what do you guys want? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Like, where are you living? And the word for staying and living is the same word Jesus used when he said, abide in my teaching. Wow. So he's saying, you don't just need to know it. You need to live it, put it into practice. But living it and putting it into practice certainly entails learning it, does it not? Amen. So we need to learn what is Jesus' teaching? What is the whole of what Jesus had to say? Now, the whole Bible is also God's word. Matthew 13, 51 to 52 was wonderfully interpreted for me, because I wondered about this, by a guy named Kurt Schneider. He's a kind of a goofy but awesome rabbi. You can find him on YouTube, actually. And uh, this is Matthew 13, 51 to 52. Jesus is talking to a bunch of people about himself, and he says, Have you understood all these things? Yes, they replied. And he said to them, Then every teacher of the law, every teacher of the law, what was the law? That was the scriptures, right? The Old Testament. Every teacher of the law who has become a disciple, a learner, in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasure as well as old. Jesus is saying, it's really good that you guys know the Old Testament scriptures and you've learned that. Now learn what I'm telling you too. He's bringing the whole Bible into the parameter of scripture, his word. And this one's even harder to dodge, the fact that we need to learn the Old Testament. For those of you who don't like it, I'm an Old Testament nerd, nerd, and I make no apologies. But 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 simply says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. A few verses before that, in 2 Timothy 2.15, he said this, Work hard, or study hard, so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval, being a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly explains the word of truth. Word of truth, whole Bible. He explains that just a few verses later. So it's hard to get around the fact that to learn, one of the ways we need to learn is actually diligently studying. I love this. This is not hard for me, but this might be hard for some people. I have a great friend back home. She's full of the Spirit. She loves Jesus. She's a leader in her church. She hates to read the Bible. I don't get it. She hates it. But it's just because she doesn't like reading. She loves the Word. It's just work for her, you know what I mean? But we should all be well-rounded in studying. Let me give you some examples of things I learned that I wouldn't have known if I didn't study. Does anyone understand Hebrew poetry? No? Turns out the whole lot of the Bible is poetry, and the Hebrews had really interesting ideas about how poetry should work. None of which did I know until I had to read this big, seemingly boring book about interpreting different types of scripture. And now I'm like, oh, parallelism. This helps me. Oh, that's antithetical parallelism. Sounds intellectual just saying it. That sounds smarter. That's who's smarter. (laughs) (laughs) But Justin and I were just having a talk the other day about Psalm 37. And Psalm 37 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And we're like, I wonder what that means. I wonder if it's any desire I want, or if it's just the good desires, or... Man, that's kind of ambiguous. And I'm like, well, let's crack it open. And we looked at the verse before and we looked at the verse after. And taking into context this Hebrew poetry thing, that they tied multiple ideas, well actually multiple lines into one idea, we could ascertain that, oh, these desires come out of a place of delighting, trusting, and committing your whole life to the Lord. And out of that flow the desire of seeing times to fulfill. It's like, oh. Well, I learned that because I actually studied with my noggin. You know, the Holy Spirit didn't drop that on me. I actually had to work for it. Here's another one. I'll give you one more. And I'm going to try to talk fast so this doesn't turn into a two-hour message. Oh, yeah. Jesus cursed a fig tree. That struck anybody else's eye in here? Has anybody read that story? Like, he walks by, there's no figs on it, he curses it, it withers. Jesus never does stuff like that. What's going on? And even the disciples are like, you curse that tree and it's withered. Man, I read that my whole life. And I'm like, what is his deal with the dang tree? It even says in the scripture, there were no figs on it because, does anybody remember? Oh. Yeah, it wasn't the season for figs. So what is this, a temper tantrum, you know? And then he goes and he clears out the temple. And I'm thinking, this is because you missed breakfast. <laughs> I do what's going on. Well, it, yeah, sugar was low. Jesus was hypoglycemic for a minute. He just destroyed everything. No, I'm sorry. We're forgiven. No, I, I had to look it up. You know, fig trees do this weird thing. The fruit comes before the leaves. So if a fig tree has big shiny leaves on it, anybody familiar with it would have gone up to that tree and expected to find fruit. Jesus is mad because it seemed like it had fruit, but it didn't have fruit. Dude, that's heaven. And from there, the bunny trails and the scriptural associations begin to flow. But the Holy Spirit didn't drop that on me. Exactly. I had to work for it. It's not unspiritual to use your brain. It's not less right to engage your mind in learning. Okay? Point one made. On to point two. We need to learn from the Holy Spirit. Don't just engage your mind. People who do that can get wonky and creepy and hard. (laughs) Engage your spirit. Learn from the Holy Spirit. You know, to learn from anything, whether it's the Bible or the Holy Spirit or people, which we're going to talk about next, spoiler alert, you have to be submitted to learn, don't you? You know some people that you just can't teach them anything? They're not submitted to anyone or anything. Stubborn people miss out on a lot. Because they aren't submitted enough to learn. Step one to learning from the Holy Spirit, Anthony has discovered, is actually submit to the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. This is one that we charismatics really like, and we have a good reason to. Check this out. John 14, 25-26. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you, will remind you of everything I've said to you. That's really cool. In fact, that's also pointed out again later in John, that the Holy Spirit is a teacher. He's a reminder. He's a prompter. And so when we begin to study in any capacity, I suggest that we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit by default. Every time and expect him to do some things that mere mind study can't do. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yep. I'm going to give an example of that. This, okay, this is my all time favorite revelation that I've ever had. Ever. And I'm about to share it with you. Jerry's already laughing. I meant to bring my Bible and read the big long passage, but you're all spared. I forgot, and I didn't print <laughs> it out. So I'll set the scene. We're way back in the Old Testament. King David has lived, and he's unified the kingdom of Israel, and then he's died. His son, Solomon, has taken over, and he has made Israel the most beautiful, powerful, awesome kingdom on the face of the planet. And it looks like all of God's promises to Israel are coming true. They are a place that other foreign lands visit, not for any political reason, but just to see how magnificent and awesome a kingdom can be. And not only that, but they're Everything they do is excellent. Gold is just dripping off everything. The place is prospering. And then Solomon dies. And Solomon's son, Rehoboam, we can call him Ray. <laughs> he comes up to the throne and all of Israel gathers before him. This is in 1 Kings chapter 12. And Israel says to him, Look, your dad was great, but he built a ton of stuff and he made our yoke. Heavy and our burden heavy. If you will lighten our burden, we will serve you. And so Rehoboam says, Give me three days. And he goes and talks to the people that are, you know, advisors, and they say, Look, just lighten their load, man, and they will serve you forever. And he's like, No, I don't like that advice. Hey, bros that I grew up with, what do you think I should do? And his bros say, Tell them you're twice as tough as your dad. And if he made their yoke heavy and their burden heavy, you're going to make it heavier. And not only that, but you're going to punish them harsher. Three days go by. Israel shows up and they're like, what's the deal? And he's like, he repeats again. I'm going to make your yoke heavier and your burden heavier. And then something happens. Israel says, we don't have any share in Jesse's house. What What share do we have in the house of David? To your tents, Israel. And the kingdom splits. And it never gets back together again. Because of Ray Boehm's epic fail. Alright? Has anyone jumped ahead of the revelation that I got in the Walmart break? Does anybody see where I'm going with this? Oh my gosh. So good. I was texting the Gerbers. Okay. I'm reading and the Holy Spirit brings to mind. What did Jesus say? In Matthew eleven twenty seven 27 to 30. He's talking about who he is. And about how people don't really know who he is. You don't really know him unless the Father reveals himself. And unless the Father reveals him to you. And then he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened. I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is speaking as the fulfillment of the prophecy that a Davidic king was coming who had the right to sit on the throne. He was calling the people to fulfill their end of the bargain. Because right there, where the kingdom split, he's taking them back to that moment of decision. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, I will lighten your load. I will lighten your yoke. Wow. And you said you'd serve me. Mm. Whoa. He's not only saying, I'm full of love, he's saying, I'm the king. And I expect you to fulfill your end of the bargain. That was not study. (laughs) That was the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you what. You might not think that's a big deal. But dude, I have never looked at the scripture the same way again. Jesus is doing that kind of stuff all over. And that was so cool for me. And that was nothing but a gift from the Holy Spirit. Guys, submit yourself to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let Him teach you. I've had so many others. I've written some down, but I have to move on. Another way we learn from the Holy Spirit, everyone's favorite, I'll just read the verse. No, I won't. Conviction. John sixteen eight. Yes, I will. When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he's not just going to help and teach, he does this other good stuff. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Conviction. That word, in case we want to dodge it. It means to convict, refute, find fault, correct, expose, or bring to light. And now I quote, generally with a suggestion of shame for the person convicted. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us like that. What do you do when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin? I'm going to tell you. You say, thank you. The correct response when the Holy Spirit brings correction or exposes something in your life, no matter how you feel, is to say, thank you. Because that's God being good. Mm -hmm. Amen? And showing us where we can be better. That's God shepherding us, caring for us, leading us. And that's part of how we learn from the Holy Spirit. Here's a fun way. I'm blowing through these, I know, but I've got three to hit. and They all have multiple points. Let's all try this one. If you like speaking in tongues, which might not be everybody in this room, but if it is you, here's something interesting. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, and then he has a chunk of explanation, and then he says verse 13. So I'm going to read verses 5 and 13 together. 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says, I wish you all could speak in tongues. But even more, I wish you could prophesy, for prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what they are saying so that the whole church can be strengthened. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray for the ability to interpret what has been said. Did you catch what he did there? He's like, speaking in tongues is great. I wish you all did. And prophecy is better. Because everybody benefits from prophecy Unless, of course, the person speaking in tongues has somebody that can interpret. And then he says this. So if you're speaking in tongues, Justin, just pray that the Holy Spirit will give you the interpretation. Go home, make sure nobody else is in the house, go to the basement, shut the door, set a timer on your phone, and speak in tongues. You can be as crazy as you want, nobody's there, you know? If you're just making a fool out of yourself, your father in heaven is just gonna like chuckle and kind of pat you on the head anyway. You don't really have anything to worry about. But here's what's happened to me. I have set my timer and prayed in tongues and gotten the weirdest, most out-of-the-blue thoughts and great revelations that I never would have got had I not been doing it. I was praying in tongues one time because I didn't know what to talk about. Not recently. I'm way prepared now. I (laughs) mean, way back in the day when I wasn't that good. So I'm praying, and I'm praying in tongues, and suddenly the Lord says, you know, Hosea 2 and the story of the prodigal son are the same story from different perspectives. That's weird. I mean, I'm not an expert on Hosea 2, but you better believe I got my Bible out. And dude, you wouldn't believe the similar principles in the story of the prodigal son, and Hosea 2. They're not exactly the same, but enough of the principles are the same that I was like, dang, I didn't study that with my mind. That was the Lord engaging the Spirit. And man, it was cool. I invite you all to look it up. Hosea 2 and the story of the the son. See if you don't see some similarities there. Alright. Engage your mind. Actually study. Engage the Spirit. Submit to Him. Let Him drop truth on you. That's fun. That's really fun. When you get texts from your friends, like Sean Quentin is a master at this. If you know him, he's like, Whoa, dude, I was reading this, blah, 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 blah. Like, That's the Holy Spirit, man. Third area spirit, mind, and body. Engage the church, learn from other people. It's good. The whole church can be your teacher not necessarily in a pedantic beating knowledge over the head kind of way, but we teach each other in a lot of ways, don't we? Check this out. This is Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. This is the author of Hebrews exciting people. He says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Motivate each other. That's a way we can teach each other. Figure out ways to be loving. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord's returning is drawing near. The whole church needs to be a unit helping each other get better, helping each other to get better. I had to English that correctly. So the whole church encourages the whole church. But there's also a special place for a leader. And we see this clearly in the Bible. In Acts 2-42, to all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. The Apostles' teaching. They were learning from people. It is biblical, not bad, to be submitted to human leadership in order to learn from them. I'm submitted to Cameron Wright. I don't have to be, but in a sense, I'm submitted to my friend Seth Gerber because I recognize him as someone who has authority and can give me input. One day I said, I would like to give you authority... To speak into my life. And he said, I'll do it. And so he has that. He has it right now. He can text me today. And I have to listen to that. Because he has the authority. Okay? Yes. Check this out. To, the, to Timothy in 5.17. Paul says this. And again, this is the Bible. I didn't write this. Elders who do their work should be well respected and well paid. Preach, Paul. Amen. (laughs) Yes! Lord. Especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. He says you need to respect these people that are teaching you. Okay? Not just the apostles now. We're talking about other elders. Not just the apostles. Listen to what he says to Titus. You must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct when necessary. So don't let anyone disregard what you say. That translation is nice saying "correct." A lot of the older translations say rebuke. You don't have to raise your hands. But it'll be fun to see. Who's been rebuked by someone who is still their friend? Anybody? Oh, I'm glad to see so many hands. I have been rebuked by people that are still my friend. How do I know they're really my friend? They rebuked me. They corrected me. I'm going to spend just a little bit of time on this because a good leader knows when to offend you and even when to hurt your feelings if he knows or she knows that it's for your good in the kingdom. This week, I was in a meeting with Cameron and he has no trouble mixing encouragement (laughs) with opportunity let's say, to be better. I'll give you, there you go. Let me give you an example of what this looks like, guys, in the real world, okay? I don't want to give you the wrong impression. I'm not like a terrible, bad Christian or something, but I don't believe pastors should always be the heroes of their own stories. So I tell a lot of self-deprecating stories on purpose. Here's one for you. It's six plus years ago, and I have had this long-term relationship with a truly nasty human being. Okay, and I keep being nice, and they keep being mean. And something happened one day, and I, I lost my temper. Like I haven't lost my temper in years. I did pay and have the door replaced. My mom can vouch for that. But I was like, true story. You should have seen the exit wound down that thing. But you know that, that like broke me. That's true. Yeah. But that I was so affected was by this because I was attacked out of nowhere by this person after years of, like, kindness and, like, self-sacrifice, and I couldn't believe the things they said to me. And I was furious, and I was sad, and I cried. And I, I was just learning that I could trust Cameron, but I didn't really know him. So I go into his office, like, the next day, and I'm, like, still shaking, talking about it, and I've got tears in my eyes, and I'm like you would not believe how I'm treated. You know, like, this is what I've done, this is what I've done, and this is how this person is treating me, and this is what they said last night. And I'm, like, in tears. You know what I mean? And Cameron's response to me is, I wish he was here, man. He says, you have a control problem. <laughs> <laughs> like, Give me a hug. Yeah, right. I, need, I need a shoulder to cry on right now. You know what I mean? And then I, I was, like, taken aback and offended. And I was like, no, I don't. And he laughed. I was in bad shape, dude. Like, I came for, like, comfort and counsel. He laughed and said, that's just what someone with a control problem says. And he's like, you're being nice for years, but you're being nice, and in your mind you're hoping you're being nice will have them act this way, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's not wrong. And he laughs again. Like, that's a control problem. We need to repent of that. I didn't go in and to be told I needed to repent. <laughs> I went in to be told, that person's a jerk and you're a saint and they should be acting nice. Right? Come on, let's be real. So I left and Man, I was taken to him. But I was submitted to him. Man, I was angry at him. And I couldn't believe he said that to me. But he's my authority. Yeah. So I need to set those emotions aside and be like, what motive does he have to be mean or hurt my feelings or offend me? What does he gain? Well, if I leave the church, I mean he loses a member, I'm tithing, he loses money, honestly, he gains nothing. Except he wants me to be better. That's his motivation. And you know what? He was right. I did have this expectation in my mind that if I was nice, they would have to be this way. I repented of that. I got free from a weight I didn't realize I was carrying. And it was amazing. The other person's actions actually started to get better. That's crazy, you know? But he offended me, and he hurt my feelings. Can that be loving? Yeah. Let me tell you, yeah. when you're submitted to learn from people, which is God's plan, they will sometimes offend you, and sometimes hurt your feelings, because they love you. Yeah. In the basement of this building one day, Seth Berber was telling me I was wrong about something. I was very angry and very offended because I'm not going to name names. Other people are involved, but I thought something was very important, and I wanted it my way because it mattered. And he's like, "Brother, it does not matter." And I'm like, "Yes, it matters," and I was furious, man. I wasn't like breaking doors furious, but man, I was mad. And Aaron Mueller, if you know him, he's sitting up here because we're supposed to be having men's prayer, but actually, it's. <laughs> man's temper tantrum from downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably praying. He was very spiritual. But I was downstairs yelling at my best friend. You know? And a year later, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Hey, i uh, a year's distance from that. I'm real sorry about that. And you know, that really didn't matter. You are right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. But I had to think about it because I was submitted to him. This one is the hardest one. We can hole up in our rooms and decide to just use our brain and learn from books. And we might get cold and distant and arrogant. Alright? But books aren't hard to learn from. And they're not challenging. We might hole ourselves up in our room and say, I don't need books and I don't need people. I just need the Holy Spirit. But without knowing the word to check what you're hearing, and without having other people to verify you are on the right track, you can get real weird. But, I don't have to submit to people if I'm only listening to the Holy Spirit. But if you are listening to all three, and if you are submitted to an authority, which is God's plan, there's a health and a freedom there that, man, you're really just robbing yourself of it if you don't have it. Mm -hmm. I am thankful that I have people in my life that I can trust to offend me when I need it. Amen? Amen. 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 Alright. That's it. In conclusion, we need to engage our spirits, the Holy Spirit, our minds, and the body of Christ in order to learn completely and to be a complete disciple of Jesus. And if you're listening to this and there's one of those that's just like irking the snot out of you, then that's cool, man. Just work on it. And if you have never been submitted to an actual human authority, it doesn't need to be some great big process, but there's a heart thing that needs to change. Mm -hmm. Find one. It doesn't have to be me. Cameron's (coughs) great. Who do you know that's farther along on the journey that you can talk to? Can you enter into a formal discipleship relationship with a more mature brother and sister? It's worth it. And say this exactly I'm giving you the authority. To speak into my life. In this capacity. You are not just my friend. I'm giving you authority. And I'm telling you. It might be hard. But it will be the, one of the best decisions you ever make. To be a healthy Christian. And to learn how to walk this thing out. We call the faith. And knowledge again. This is in closing, closing. To close. My closing. Knowledge is not just for knowledge sake. But all of this knowledge should lead to transformation because we need to be more like Jesus. And if all of our learning isn't making us more like God, we might not be learning for the right reasons. This power does. Father, you are good. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we have it on our phones and in magazines and in books and all over. God, we're tripping on it. Help us not be valued the scriptures, because they've become common. God, I ask you to cause a fire of passion for the Bible to rise up in your people. Let them learn to love, and maybe just not even learn to love, let them suddenly love reading. Let it come alive. God, I pray for a new awareness and a new submission to the promptings and the guidance of your Holy Spirit throughout our lives as we utilize the spiritual gifts, Lord God, and as we study the Word with our minds. I pray that your spirit would enlighten everyone in this room in Jesus' name. Let it feel fresh and exciting and new. And Lord God, I pray that you would show us how to live in healthy submission with our authorities and how to live in healthy community with the entire body to spur each other on, motivate each other, encourage each other, and help the corporate joy rise instead of fall. We love you, Lord. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know the Lord, Jesus, I repent for my sins. You paid for them, and I'm going to let you pay the bill because I can't pay. You've earned the right to be my Lord. You've earned the right to be my Savior because I need a Savior. And Jesus, let me be your child. Show me what it means to walk with you as my Lord for the rest of my life. And thank you for this thing called church. And let me figure out how to live in that as well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Guys, thank you very much. Feel free to hang out, you are dismissed.